Welcome to the Defend the North podcast. I'm your co-host, Dana Eisfeld. I'm joined today by the man who thinks I should loan the Minnesota Twins my Costco card so they can load up on some spider tack and perhaps turn around the fortunes of this pitching staff in 2021. And also the man who has Oasis's song, Wonderwall, on in the background every day on repeat, preparing for the full return of fans to Allianz Field on June 23rd against Austin FC. And that's the man that I call my cousin Isaac. Cuz, how's it going? Man, it's been a hot minute, huh? It has been a hot minute, and that's the last time I'm going to let you say hot minute. (laughs) No, you're not about that lingo? Not about that. Not about that. All right, right, that's cool. Well, I mean, through through all this and through the... I I just moved, so obviously you know that, but I was kind of surprised I found my headset tonight, so I'm happy we're able to actually record this pod so it's good to be here yeah it's good to see you on the floor with some uh boxes around you and <laughs> pillows and but yeah here you are you know pushing through and you know defend the north gotta gotta do what you can yeah <laughs> so tonight we wanted to talk about um two things the minnesota twins and the minnesota united and these are the teams of the summer yep. and so far the summer is really hot but our sports teams are not <laughs> That's perfectly put. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we would have talked about both of them, I don't know, like a month ago, it would have been just a ton of negativity. Um, but at least there's slight positivity going one way. And, you know, baseball, not so great. Not so great. It's It's been been quite the shit show this year. Um, you know, I don't really have a better way to put it. But <laughs> Well, 24 and 37. You might as well just mark LLL. Every time that the Twins face the Yankees, whether it's the regular season or postseason, and they're not even doing that great this year in the Bronx. Like they're what five, six games over five hundred, yeah. and like their their fan base is up in arms, and and um, yet you know they come into Target Field and just wipe us off the map the way they do every time they face us. You'll be surprised by this, but I was on Google today. The Yankees think we're stupid. What what'd you find? <laughs> So oh, they, I, I, no, I was just I was doing some research on Jorge Alcala because I, I got a hot take on him that I'm going to make later on. Okay. Um, but the second hit that I came across today on on, on Google News was um, from the Yankees Go Yard blog, and it said, "Yankees." This was the the headline: "Yankees need twin stupidity to snap four game skip, but we'll take it." <laughs> okay, but, I'm listening. <laughs> Isaac, that's everything. That's everything. The Yankees I mean, are having yeah. a the Yankees are having a slightly above five hundred season this year, and like their fan base couldn't be more upset. And granted, like we know New York spends money, and we know they bring in stars, and you know they're not out of the playoff race. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know Boston took care of business last weekend against them, and you know they look at the Twins and like we're just like this fly, and they're a fly swatter. And it's just a matter of like where they're going to get us, not if, right? And and so, you know, I feel just like this is the culmination at this point of where this year has gone so far. I've told you this before. My dad, my dad always said, by the end of May, you're going to know two things, what you put in your garden and what kind of baseball team we have. And we do not have a good baseball team, Isaac. A two-man rotation is not enough. Nobody knows their role in the bullpen. Late game managing What's that, says Rocco. I mean, granted, injuries and COVID have played a part, 
because at this point in the year, like I know there's a lot going on with the Minnesota Twins, but I I have a hard time finding a reason to put them on at night. I mean, I do too. Um, they've been really tough to watch. I mean, even just like late games. Typically, I love catching late game, um, like late Twins games. I have a hard time even turning them on though. Um, once the game gets into the seventh or eighth inning because of this bullpen, do we know that they're gonna hold a lead ever? Like this bullpen seems to throw away games like day after day, and just just like you said, no one knows their role. Like who's our closer? I think it's supposed to be Colome. Well, he kind of proved he can't do that. We had Rogers last year, and he was so-so, but not completely re- reliable. And it seems like he's kind of being thrust back into the closer role. Yet, you know, they're almost doing like a rotation for a closer because then we have um, uh, Robles too. And it's like, but yet none of them are, none of them you can trust enough yet. And so it's like at this point, it's like our bullpen just seems doomed. Um, and it's really too bad because I mean, I had a lot of faith in this this team. This honestly, this pitching staff, I did. I came in with a lot of hope, and maybe it was just me being a Minnesota fan that you know this year is going to be better than next year. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been bad from the get go. And I mean, like even our hitting has been fairly decent actually, especially if you look at it statistically. We're sixth in doubles, third in home runs, um, ninth in batting average. But yet the two the two places where our kind of hitting stats drop off are RBIs, um, which drops to thirteenth. Which you'd think, you know, if we're third in home runs and sixth in doubles, we should be driving in around that, you know, that amount of RBIs as well. And our on base percentage is fourteenth. So that tells me, yeah, we're getting a lot of, you know, we're getting hits, but it's more like just one hit an inning, solo home runs not getting a lot of walks, we're not extending innings that that much. So it's like it's hard to win baseball games when you don't put, you know, a big inning together or you don't draw walks and it's just you're just striking out. So as much as I blame the bullpen, like it seems like it comes it, it you can put a little blame on the on the hitting too because it's like they're not coming through when we need them either. So it's like the the team just as a whole has been so disappointingly awful. All right, Isaac. Before we do our deep dives in any part of this team, you've already given me the bullpen and you've given me the hitting. Give me your take on the rotation. Uh, we, you can't really rely on any of them. Like our, our best pitchers are, are still have like a 3.5 ERA. And, and um, those are two guys that are right around that area. You got Barrios and Pineda, which are like probably the two guys you can rely on the least because one of them, you know, is kind of like Jekyll and Hyde. Like you never know what game you're going to get from him and Barrios could be an ace one day and the next day. Like I think you've said it before in the past, like he looks like he's maybe a bottom end of the rotation starter. Like you can never count on this guy. And then you go to Pineda and that guy can never stay on the field. I mean, I think last year he had a suspension, right? And then this year now he's dealing with injuries again. So it's like our two best pitchers are guys you can't even rely on. And then you look at Kentameda, you look at Hap, you look at Shoemaker and, they all have ERAs above five, five point two five, I believe, even. And it's like, where can we turn to with the pitching staff? Well, how do you feel about managing? <laughs> how do I feel about the the manager or me managing? <laughs> I know how you're managing. How do you feel about Rocco Baldelli and his job that he's done so far in the 2021 campaign? Because, I mean, the, the only thing I've really noticed that really bothers me is on the pitching end. Um, now it's hard with you know, all the pitchers being pretty bad. 
um, and not really being able to rely on any of them. But when I do turn a game on and I'm, and I'm watching a relief pitcher that's dialed in and he only like lets him go an inning or he, he pulls out the guy because of the matchup, because of analytics, or maybe he allowed a single and then he pulls him for a guy that's coming out of the bullpen now. And it's like, I don't know what he's seeing. You know, if maybe he's just looking at analytics, but you know, this guy I'm watching, he's dialed in, he's hitting his spots. Like that guy you got to ride with because especially with our bullpen where you, you can't really trust the next guy to come in and close the door, you got to ride with the hot hand a little bit. And I just wish he would kind of feel the game a little bit more than it's just like the matchups and stuff like that. Well, that's one of the things I like most about Chris Finch in the second half of the Timberwolves season is that he'd get a guy that had a hot hand and he'd ride him. Like, you know, like Rubio, who had one of the worst seasons of his career, if he was having a good game, he'd, he'd play 35 yeah. minutes, right? Same with Vanderbilt. Maybe not 35, but he might play down the stretch um, at the four in a key matchup. And look, it's hard for me to say analytics don't work because we've won two straight AL Central crowns using the same, you know, iPads showing the same like, up to the second analysis of spin and exit velocity. And don't get me wrong. I do like some of the, 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 the newer stats, but, you know, I, I look at the bullpen and I think the bullpen is a microcosm of what's wrong with this team this year. And I do think the bullpen is a place. Think about this, Isaac. So if you're a relief pitcher, you're sitting out there for five, six, seven, maybe eight innings, just watching, 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 mm -hmm. right? Like a guy sitting out there, you know, chewing sunflower seeds, you know, um, cracking jokes with his teammates out in the bullpen. Like that's a lot of time to yeah. think. And so I've always believed, and maybe it's because of the era that I, I grew up in, but that the bullpen needs to have a hierarchy. And I don't know what it is this year. You said before, like, who's your closer? Well, Alex Kolomik clearly is not, even though Baldelli seemed to want him to be. He needs to be pitching in St. Oh. Paul, if you ask me. And then, like, you know, Rodgers and Robles, they both had rough starts to the year, but they both come along. But, you know, like, any night, you're not sure, like, which guy's going to bring it home in, in, a, in a one- or two-run game. And I, I still don't think, though, that either one of those guys has the stuff or the consistency, at least in terms of how Baldelli is using these, using them to be the guy, I think it's Jorge Alcala. You know, he's been consistent all year. And one of the things that you can do, it, it's really easy, like game to game, week to week, to like watch the games and feel one way. And then the next week, a guy doesn't do well and you feel another way. And like you kind of get lost sort of in this, in the way that the sports media and, you know, the way that KFAN just churns this constant dialogue. But if you go to baseball reference and, you know, you go to the pitching staff for this year and you go to the game log and you start looking at Rogers and Robles and Alcala and Colome, just look at the innings pitched and look at the runs. And what you want to see is a lot of, it's almost like binary computer language, right? You want to see a lot of zeros and maybe a few, a few ones. And Alcala, like he had a couple of bad outings where he gave up a few runs, a lot mm. of zeros, you know, it's almost as they say in soccer, a clean sheet. You know, and he's got the heat. Does he have the stuff in the moment? Can he control his pitches? We don't know. We haven't seen him there. Um, but if you do that, and I would even be comfortable if he's our eighth inning guy, yeah. right? And then between Rogers and Robles, pick one of them and say, you're my closer and take the other guy and say, okay, I need somebody to stabilize middle relief, particularly if I'm going to keep pulling my pitchers after 62 pitches. 
right? <laughs> so uh. like, it, 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 like, stop playing this like mind game with yourself. Like this guy, if the wind's coming from the southwest and you know the left field fence is under three hundred and eighty feet from home plate and he's wearing Rawlings um, batting <laughs> gloves, then I think we need Rogers. But if he's wearing another brand, then we're going to bring in Robles. It's like, dude. Like just give tell tell the guys like and I get it like some like it's always been a little bit situational in baseball and that's fine like not every game needs to be managed the same way. Budenholzer in, in Milwaukee I think is a good indication of why that doesn't <laughs> work. Like you do need to change, you do need to change what you do game to game. But I just like I, and 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 I think we have the arms to be good enough. Really? Do you think that? Yeah, yeah. Like if if say like. Even if you think Elkala is not the guy, I think he could be. Put him in the eighth. Put Rogers or Robles in the ninth. Use another one of them in the sixth and seventh, along with Tyler Tyler Duffy. Like you said early on, Isaac, like nobody knows what their role is. And I always feel like athletes perform well, just like professionals do. Like when you walk into your company, Isaac, and they say, okay, this month we're going to have you do accounts receivable. Next month we're going to have you do accounts payable. Oh, maybe in August, we'll have you do some financial analysis. And then, you know what? Our operational team, man, we need better communication with them. So this fall, maybe you can be the guy that like is our liaison with operations. It's like, no, like you were hired for a role. You're getting paid for a role. You understand that role. When you wake up and you go to work, you know what's expected of you. And so mm-hmm. you perform. I mean, it's possible. I, I'd like to see it if, if, if uh, Rocco tries it. I mean... Is he willing to make those changes, or is it just simply all by the numbers? Are, are we sure he's truly a, a manager of of egos and personalities, or is he just the manager of what's what spits out on him on the iPad? Well, that is a really good question because it, it's it's a question that I think speaks to the heart of what baseball is right now. I think Isaac, you you mentioned before with the hitting, right? Like we're not doing terribly. We're not like we're in the middle of the pack or towards the front of the pack in most of the hitting stats. And it, I, I, this was the thing I found super interesting. We're hitting 241 this year as of maybe Tuesday or Wednesday when I looked up the stat. Where do, where do you think that sits in terms of the 30 teams in Major League Baseball? 241. Like top 10? It, it's 11th. Good guess. Where do you think that sits all time in terms of 120 years of um, the Washington Senators and the Minnesota Twins? I'm going to guess high. Otherwise, you wouldn't be talking about it. Like 11th or higher. Wait, like so we're 11th this year in terms of the 30 Major League Baseball teams at 241. We are in the 15th percentile of the 120 years of the Washington Nationals and the Minnesota Twins, meaning like there's only about 17 or 18 seasons where we batted worse. Last year, actually, at 242 was right alongside this one. I just, I, I don't know what I'm watching. Like, I don't know what I'm watching with the bullpen. I don't know what I'm watching when a guy can bat 167 and play every day. So no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we talked in our season preview, like, is this an iteration of baseball that you enjoy watching? And I don't know if I'm more turned off by losing or if I'm more turned off by the style of baseball. I mean, do you do you admit that like the last two years were pretty fun? And maybe it was just because they were winning, but like the whole uh, the, is it Bomba Squad or whatever they were called Bomba, like that was fun. 
And if you ever, if you went to a game that year and they played like those sirens every time we came up to bat, like it was it was a pretty cool atmosphere. Now, given we were winning, so maybe that's why it was such a cool atmosphere. Well, we won 101 games that year, and like we hit more home runs than any team in history, except for the New York Yankees that year, right, 2019, that outpaced us by like one or two. Um, and you're right, like all those home runs were great, but it was empty calories. Like we get into the postseason, and we can't, you know, we can't hit a ball <laughs> to save our lives. And you know, if we got into a hot stretch, Isaac, you know, if if, if Cruz and Donaldson and Garver and Kepler and Sano and Buxton. And yada, yada, yada <laughs> are all healthy, you know, and br- we bring back the, the Bomba squad from 2019. Maybe we could see an improvement. Um, what do you think it's going to take? Like we're 24 and 37 on June 10th, right? So we've had an awful month in like March, April, I'll count as one month. May was a little bit better, like especially the first half of the month. You know, we were winning some series and I started to think like maybe this team can turn it around, but you know, we've got, um, 33, 32 games until the All-Star break. So what do you think this team needs to do in order to put themselves in a position where they might be able to contend, you know, maybe for that second wild card? I mean, I think it all starts on the on the pitching side. Like, you got to figure out something. People got to know what's going on there. Um, I don't think you're going to be able to get anywhere close to the wild card without figuring out who, you know, is going to kind of set up and who's going to close and be able to count on them to do so. Um, I mean, like we had already mentioned, the hitting seems to be doing okay. Like we're not as great as we maybe were two years ago, but we're still like right around the top 10 area, which that should be enough to win baseball games if you have a decent pitching staff. So I don't, I mean, I don't see it with the arms we have. It's going to need to be quite a remarkable turnaround. And with the ages of our pitching staff, we have the second oldest pitching staff in the majors right now. And in the last 30 days, we have, we're at the 28th pitching staff in ERA. In the last 15 days, we're dead last in ERA. Dead last. Well, we played, I, and that adds up with, you know, our record. Like we played as of Tuesday. So we're recording this on a Thursday, but as of Tuesday, we had played the same number of games as last year because last year we had 60 games in the COVID short, and shortened year. We were 36 and 24, right? And this year at the 60 game mark, we were 24 and 36. We had scored five less runs than last year. So like pretty much on par yeah. with what we were doing. We've given up a hundred more runs. Game over. That's your story. We've given up a hundred more runs in the same number of games last year. Like you can't win games that year. Like our, our bullpen is awful. The back end of our rotation is, is terrible. Like Shoemaker, 41 earned runs and 50 innings. His ERA is 7.28. Like you put him out there and like the guys on the field just be like, man, well, tonight's a loss. Right. <laughs> and then, you know, Hap, he had a pretty decent March, April, but his ERA in um, May, he's given up 27 runs and 28 innings. In May and early June, ERA um, hovering around nine, 49 base runners and 29 innings. Like if you've got two guys in your four and five slots that it's like, okay, instant loss, instant loss. Like, and then, you know, Maeda has been hurt. And even before he was hurt, he was garbage. Barrios, I, I would, I would push back against this though. I think like Barrios still has plenty of year left to show us who he's always been. But I mean, the guy is six and two. 
And he has a 1.1 whip, 3.58 ERA. And he has been the only guy that's been consistently giving us six to seven innings. So, but it's not enough. Like two, maybe two and a half pitchers, a shaky bullpen, especially as we get into the stretch of a lot of games against the AL Central. I I I don't have a lot of optimism about us, you know, turning this around. Right. I, I feel the same way. And like, why don't we like move on to some younger guys? Let's give them a chance. Because I mean, Haps thirty eight, Shoemaker's thirty four. Be different if they were throwing solid innings out there. But I mean, they're probably two of the worst pitchers in our rotation, and they're also the oldest. It's like, why don't we give some experience to the younger guys? I think we will. I think you know. Isaac, if if June turns out to be anything close to what May and and, and April were, and it's another lost month, like I think the Twins are going to throw it in, and then we're going to start to see some movement in terms of um, a fire sale, a fire sale, you know. Up, and then you know we're going to be bringing up a lot of guys from the minors, and and it's a little sad. It's a little sad that on June 10th, like we feel pretty confidently about the fact that with this team, that we thought. You know, the over at the beginning of the year, depending on the sports book, was 89 or 93 wins. We're talking about a fire sale and like bringing up guys from AAA. That's not the conversation I wanted to be having on June 10th. It's just not. All right, Isaac. Well, the Twins are 24 and 37. Um, there's a lot of baseball left in mm-hmm. the year, almost 100 games. So it's not to say it's impossible. I did see on baseball reference that we have a 0.3% chance of making the playoffs. Ooh. So as a, as a, as a good Minnesota twins fan, I'm going to hang on to that 0.3% and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ride it. I'm going to ride it. You know, well, with that, we're going to wrap up the twins section. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the Minnesota United team that also has had some early season struggles, but seems to be turning it around. And we're back from break, and we're going to talk about the Minnesota United and their early season in many ways matched what we were seeing in April with the Twins. And the question I got to ask, Isaac, is where was the defense? I'm still wondering that. It was it was incredible. It was just, I mean, they were outscored 10-3 to 3 in that early stretch of four games. The, the three part, so we only scored three goals. That part honestly isn't shocking to me because we've always had issues scoring. But the fact that we allowed 10 goals in four games is like, whoa, are we back to like year one Minnesota United where we allowed the most goals in a season or something like that? We like broke a record for it. So what do you think it was? What do you think it was about those first four games? And like we let 10 balls, you know, slide into the back of the net. Yeah, I mean, part of it was injuries, of course. You always have injuries that factor into it. Um, and I'm not even talking Ike Opara. We know he's been out. He was out last year. But uh, Debassi, who's just, you know, a man in the middle um, alongside Boxel, was out for some apparent reason. And we just kind of had, like, this, you know, revolving door of, of players playing that left back, that left center back spot next to, next to Gasper. And I think Gasper was just really used to having someone incredibly solid and incredibly good next to him because, in my opinion, Gasper defensively is is really not great. Like he, he, he bleeds balls, you know, into the middle and let's, let's, let's people right around him. Um, great. He's a great attacking left back, but. Right. Well, you know, and for a team that struggles to score offensively and to move the ball, you know, towards the 18, 
having a guy like Gasper that can push it the way he does, but he takes chances. And he, when he takes those chances and he's pushing the ball, you know, up the, up the, the side of the, the field and, you know, he might get a good cross and he, he might set up one of our attacking players for a goal. But if he make it, it, he kind of reminds me of an NBA guard that likes to take chances on like, you know, passing lanes and he gets a lot of steals. He might have like 2.4 steals per game and lead the NBA. Meanwhile, nobody accounts for like the five plays that game where he missed the steal and left his guy completely open going towards the basket. And so, right. A guy like Gasper, like in Debassi, who's playing alongside of him in the back four is not there. And there's a hole like, and he takes those same chances. Like that's a problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you saw it every game. Like I think every, every game that the other team scored, like it was on the left side. Or it was, you know, their right side, obviously. But um, there was some kind of mix-up, whether it's communication or um, Gasper simply just passing the ball to their team, um, and they would score. And it was just a train wreck. I was, I was at a loss because I mean, the Twins were awful. The Wild were, you know, looking like they were going to get beat by Vegas, which they ended up getting beat in the end. And I, and I was like, man, Minnesota sports, what the heck? <laughs> Well, I'm I'm old enough, Isaac, to let you know that it is possible. And by the way, like we 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 should not discount the Lynx having won four WNBA championships. We don't talk about that yeah. enough. But I was also alive in '87 and '91. Isaac, it can happen. It can. It, it's few and far between, but it's possible. And I want you to know I'm there for you if you ever need somebody to talk to as a Minnesota sports fan about the fact that it can happen. I mean, so far it's going to be about every season that I need it. So I, I hope you stay strong for me because I'm really going to need that support. Well, Isaac, you know, the thing is though, like you are a product of your generation. Like the, I don't even want to call it um, apathy because you're still a very interested sports fan and you pay attention a lot. But the, the cynicism that I hear <laughs> from you, like the minute something goes wrong, it's like, it's like we're in a car crash. Right. And, and, and you, but here's the thing. You have good reason to feel that way. There hasn't been a lot when this Minnesota United season started out 0 and 4. It's like, you know, whoa, me. <laughs> Just another Minnesota team letting us down. <laughs> but I mean, they didn't have other pieces. Let's, let's be real, right? First four games, they didn't have all their pieces. So what's happened in the three games since then? Yeah, I mean, uh, last three games they are undefeated, so they won two and tied one, um, and they've had some guys kind of be more solidified. Surprisingly, um, since they've been winning, Miller's been in the in the goal instead of St. Clair, which I thought was kind of odd at first, but kind of looking back on stuff this past week, researching, I mean, really watching that that last game that we that we lost in our losing streak against Colorado. St. Clair had a terrible game and um, it makes me think whether it was a combination of, of that and just like you really need someone with, with a voice and a leader in, in, in goal. Cause he kind of directs your, your back line. So a, a part of me is like that game was pretty bad against Colorado, but yet, I mean, St. Clair had some great saves in the losses they had before, but maybe the defenders just weren't like, responding to him the way they should be so it almost makes me wonder if like you know Heath's just like we need to we need to 
change it up and back. We need a different voice, you know, shouting out orders. Um, but also, like, why can't we treat soccer goalies like we do hockey goalies, you know? like Ride the hot hand. Yeah, like, why do you have to stick with one guy the whole season? And, you know, you can kind of switch it up, keep both guys fresh. And if someone's got a hot hand, just keep rolling with them. Well, maybe that's what Heath's doing. I mean, with Talbot and Kakanen, it, it happened all season long with the Wild, right? And yeah. I know he let, I, I know that, um, St. Clair let 10, 10 goals past him in four games, right? And it, it, it was the beginning of the season. And, you know, one of those games was against Colorado. One of those games was against Seattle. Like, but, you know, Miller comes in and he's given up what one goal in three games. Yep. So our goal differential is still minus five for the season, but in the last three, we're up two. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, is it, do you think he might have that in his mind to like play the hot hand? Yeah. I mean, I, I think he would, I, th- I think we're kind of spoiled in the sense of keepers. Cause I mean, we, we know, especially seeing what St. Clair did last year, like we have two guys who can start for us. So like not only injury wise, but it's like maybe someone's just having an off stretch and it's like, well, we can throw the other guy in and he'll be probably just as solid so i i think i I could see Heath changing it up um especially if we're kind of not doing so well because you can kind of see he's he's been making some changes in in the field whether it's you know going from Coleman to Ratala back to Coleman, um not getting Debassi in there um or even just like trying other guys like we just saw Nico Hansen on the last game get his first look and i mean he scored whether it was a, a pretty goal or not like completely disgusting goal but i mean it's a goal nonetheless like right place at the right time as they as they say so i i would i'm wondering if we're going to see more of him now too which i think we should well i I mean isaac this is my problem this year is that i can't keep track of our attack like is it (laughs) you know ethan finley and reynoso were out against um rsl our ralph salt lake right Yep. Our one 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 tie at the end of May. Yep. But you got those two guys and you got Nico Hansen and Avila and you know, um, you know, a lot of the mid you know, our new signing, um uh Hanu, Hanoi, Huna, Hanoi, Hanoi. <laughs> Hanoi, Vietnam. you know, like we and then, you know, like Robin Lode and Dotson and Gregouche, it's like okay. And what are the, what's the formation? Is it four, two, three, one? Is it four, one, four, one? Like it, it, this, the, all this, like, like Avila is going to start. Nope. He's going to come off the bench. Nico Hansen is like my favorite player of the year coming into the season. <laughs> and we don't see him till game seven, right? Yeah. Reynoso strange. is Reynoso. Ethan Finley hasn't shown much this year. So I think like the bigger problem that you've said is that has been our scoring. We're minus five in goal differential. Yeah. More so, I mean, we had a couple of really bad games on the back end and with our goaltend or our goalkeeping early in the year, but we still can't put the game, the the the, the ball in the back of the net. So, yeah. what's your take on our um, on our midfielders and our and our attackers? Yeah, I mean, I think we're still trying to figure it out. Um, we we don't have everyone out there right now. Like we were supposed to see Franco Fraga Fraga Pene. Am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> Close enough. <laughs> Franco Fraga Pene. There we go. Yeah. So we don't have him yet. He was a kind of a late scratch in our last game, which I think like just just to bring it back to that last game against RSL it was a one one tie. Pretty incredible we were able to come out with a point on that one. Reynoso was a late scratch and Fragapene was a late scratch, which are, you know, two guys And Finley. And Finley. And Finley. So like just 
to be able to come up with a point with that's pretty incredible. So maybe we are turning the tide, but I think our midfield's fine. We have, we have pretty solid depth. I mean, we have Trap who will play every game. Um, and then we have Gregouche and Reynoso, um, taking up the middle, but then we also have Alonzo. I mean, we have the old man, Ozzy Alonzo, who's, who's there, who can give us minutes at any point too. So, um, and then, you know, you have Hassani Dotson, who's like a utility infielder for baseball. I mean, he's, he can play any position. Now, I, I much prefer him to see, to see him in the midfield. Um, just cause I think he's created, creative enough, um, to be able to do that instead of just running along the wings. But I think we'll see a lot more once our, our new guys are kind of a little more solidified. So we, we're seeing this Fragapane guy, which, He's going to make an impact right away. He's been playing in the league he came over from. Um, so he's not going to need time to get fit or anything. He's going to be ready to go as soon as he steps on that field. I would give Hinoy a little more time. I know he just got his first start with RSL. Um, but he hasn't been playing prior to joining Minnesota United for like, I think it was like seven months or something like that. So yeah, I was, I was pretty surprised to see him in the starting lineup. Yeah, I think it was kind of by necessity with the late scratches. With Finley and Reynoso out? Yeah, and Fragapane. Um, but um, I would give him a little time to get fit. And I think, I mean, obviously Heath sees something in this guy. I mean, we gave him like a three or four year contract. And I don't think you just do that for any old player. So I think he sees yeah. something that I, I think if we just give him, no, he's not going to be a superstar. Like he's, he's, he's not a Reynoso. But if, if he's the, the boot that puts up, you know, puts Reynoso's setup passes right in the back of the net, like, I think he's got to prove it, obviously, but I think this, this could be the guy, you know? Well, he seems like if, you know, whether it's 4 1, 4 1, 4 2, 3 1, whatever you have, whatever you have in terms of the formation, that one needs to be a striker, yeah. not, you know, a forward that is pretending or a midfielder that is pretending to be a striker. He's a striker. And the yeah. other thing that I liked about him in that matchup against um, Salt Lake is that, like, it, it wasn't like he was just waiting for guys to set him up. Like, his effort, soccer in many, in a, in a lot of games, like, and most sports are like this, but soccer, because of the field that you have to cover and the how exhausted guys can get, if they're not in shape in particular, it's a game of effort, yeah. right? You need talent. You need talent that can put the ball in the net. I get that. But he seemed like a guy that wasn't just like sitting around like, hmm, wonder if this, this, this set of four guys in the midfield can pass it to me and I can score. It was like he was going for it. And that was a good, I mean, it was one game, but it was a good sign. He had moments where it's like you, you saw him make a move or, you know, whether he actually had a shot on goal. Like he didn't, he didn't connect with any of his first game, but it was like you saw moments where it's like, oh, okay, this guy like has a feel for where the goal is, and he's 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 going for it. He's not just there, you know. And I thought that guy might be Avila, though, like like, and not in terms of like his overall um, impact on you know the front side of the field, but more like is he your sixth man, so to speak? Like, is he a guy that you bring in in the in the sixty eighth minute, and you need a goal? whether it's a set piece or, you know, um, a cross, like, is that what Abila is? Is that what his destiny is with this Loons team? I mean, from what I've seen and what I've heard, I'd say, I'd say, yeah. I mean, I was, I was with you. I, I thought he was going to be kind of like our, our full-time striker sort of deal, but it seems like, and, um, I know the, uh, the Loons commentators say this is like, he's, 
he's not fit to do a full game. Like that's just not who he is. So maybe Heath knows that as well. And he's more just like a 20, 30 minute guy you bring in to close out a game or you need a goal yet. Um, yeah, he just seems like he's, he's a part of the game guy. He's going to bring in and change it up a little bit. I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of a bigger dude, a more physical presence. So he would be a little different from Hanoi where it's be like changing up tactics. He's got a back that reminds me of Hulk. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just go out there. I wouldn't want to meet him in a dark alley. No, no, thank you. Uh-uh. So, so Isaac, with all these international players, and we, we're now we're on a three week international break from basically Memorial Day until what is it, the nineteenth? We're um, yeah, our, that's our next game. Yeah, but we're gonna lose um, Robin Robin Lod slash Load slash Load. Um, <laughs> To the Finnish national team that, by the way, qualified for the Euros, qualified for a major international tournament for the first time in a hundred years. Ooh. Yeah. Did you know that? I did actually. I heard that today. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've got Jan Gregush from yeah. Slovakia and, um, they're going to be probably gone once the loons return in mid June for two to three games. So, what do you think about in terms of our wingers and our midfielders? Like what kind of impact is that going to have? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I, and I kind of hate to hate to admit it because I was kind of out on load, you know, early on, but especially this year, he's probably our second best option to score. I don't know if you, if you like have watched the games or look at the highlights, he is always there um, with a great opportunity. Now he doesn't always finish, which is maybe another you know thing to talk about but he gives us like one of our best chances to score so i think he will be missed um but i do think also that this is a great time for nico hansen to get you know maybe more of a look considering he talked so high about him early in the year so i think him and if finley is coming back or if he plays more of hasani dotson on the wing um i i I think it does hurt a little bit to not have load out there, especially if, if Renoso, you know, Renoso and him have kind of a, a pretty good relationship out on the field. This, I mean, this, how deep is our team? We'll get a chance here to see the depth of our team and maybe a young guy is going to step up like a McMaster or, or Wea or we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I mean, we, we have Fragapane coming in too. So he, maybe he'll just fill in right in load spot and we'll, we won't be missing the thing. Well, that's the thing is like we have such a hard time scoring, but I look at the names, you know, Renoso, Finley, Hansen, Abila, Fracapone, um, Hanu, Hanoi, uh, Lode. <laughs> like, you know, you'd think you'd be able to put some sort of combination together that could really, you know, make something happen and, 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 and have more scoring opportunities because we just like one of the things that's been consistent throughout this year, whether it's our four game losing streak to begin the year or it's been the three games since then, is that we're just not scoring. And particularly yeah. if teams if teams get up on us and they can kind of just, you know, you know, draw back into their turtle shell and like prevent us from scoring. Like <laughs> outside of that game against Real Salt Lake where we had kind of the luck goal, you know, but there's names there. So there's twenty seven games left in the season. Um, we're currently what twelfth in the Western Conference. Yeah, but we're like two points back out of playoff contention. But there's a lot of teams, right? There's a lot of teams between us and playoff contention. Yeah, I mean it, it's so early that it's like really hard to tell. I mean the 
the the early skid was really worrisome, but now that we've kind of righted the ship in the last three games, like we're right there along with a handful of other teams to try and make the playoffs. Well, there's 27 games left in the season, and what's going to be really interesting is that once we return from the international break, um, I feel like we're going to have like we've had a couple of stretch. We had a bye week, right, and now we have we had an A game against Real Salt Lake, and and now we have a three-week break because of the international um, competitions. But once we get into late June and then going into July and August, there's going to be a couple of games every single week. Yeah, definitely. It'll be good to see. It'll be good to see the full team like actually playing. Like we we got these so-called reinforcements that Heath, you know, brought in that we kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, and it'll be it'll be fun to see where this team's actually at. Because right now, I don't think you can see that. How do you think the impact on June 23rd, where um, Allianz Field is going to actually be open to full capacity? So Ooh. as we talked about in the opener, like the environment and the ambiance when that stadium is full. Come on, you loons. <laughs> M-N-U-F-C. Do you think that's going to have an impact on the performance of this team um, as the season progresses? Oh, no doubt. I mean, I'm getting just chills just thinking about it. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, the players got to love playing in front of, you know, their supporter section, not just Minnesota United. I'm talking like any team. Like, that's just create such a huge boost, but even just, you know, Allianz field and the wonder wall is like just an incredible boost to that team. And I think, I think that's what really like bolsters the defense is just this, this crowd chanting behind them, you know, the whole game. And, you know, I think they're going to solidify and, and, and sit in now. <laughs> Maybe I'm not as good as my predictions considering I thought the twins were going to be a playoff team this year, but, uh, I, I do think that that June 23rd, once the stadium's rocking again, I think we're going to see a team that that really like takes that in stride and shows us a good performance for what we're giving them in the stands. Okay, so we're seven games into a 34 game season, and so far we've scored seven points. We're um, two wins, four losses, one draw. Right. So mm-hmm. if we need to get to the 50 point mark which is what most teams seem to need to be able to get in this Western conference in order to qualify for the playoffs. How many points per match is that going to be? It's 1.59. Okay. In 2020, we scored, or we had, we didn't score. We um, had 1.60 points per match. And in 2019, we had 1.55 points per match. So, what we need in order to qualify for the playoffs from here until the end of the season is reachable, mm-hmm. right? And I, our goaltending, I think, is solid. Our defense, especially with the bossy back, you know, um, covering Gasper's mistakes, is solid. <laughs> our midfield is good, and we have a lot of depth. And so I think the big question in the second half of the year is, like, what is the formation going to be on the offensive end? And who are the players going to be that make that difference, right? Yeah. And, and 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 again, I mean, injuries are always a, a question, but you know, all those names we listed off, like we got a chance. I think we got yeah. a chance. It's the ever lingering question, though, of of can we actually score? Like our defense is built strong, you know. Like our guy who who came out 
you know, hot at the end of the year last year, left the team. And can we actually score? I, I will say this. I feel more optimistic about the Minnesota United's chances of making the playoffs by putting together enough offense, you know, to support their defense, to get enough wins to qualify, as opposed to the Minnesota Twins with this rotation and this bullpen that mm. maybe the bullpen can be sorted out. I still think we have the arms, but I just don't see it with this, with this rotation. I think that, I think it's a lost season. Yeah. Nope. I say, I say twins, a big L and, and the loons. Let's get ready for those playoff games, baby. Well, I am looking forward to um, going to Allianz field in St. Paul, you know, with your season tickets, Isaac, you've extended an olive branch to me and it told me, cause yes, I sir. want you there. I got two young kids. I got a wife who couldn't care less about um, soccer, but I'm going to be up <laughs> in St. Paul as much as I can. I promise you that. Good deal. I'm looking forward to it. It's me. It's be good. We're going to be rocking. Okay. Well, with that, I think we're going to bring the, the, the podcast to a, to a close tonight. And as we always do, we're going to let Cousin Isaac take us out. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the pod. Sorry. It's been a while since we've been, been on here, but hopefully we'll get a little more consistent here. Um, and you guys stay safe out there. <laughs>